I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, November 13, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. To the naked eye, it doesn't look like there's a lot going on with the market. Again, another day where we really didn't get very far, either in the southern or northern direction. We're basically spinning our wheels in the sand or stuck in quicksand. However, when you look under the hood, there actually is a lot going on. We're going to unpack a lot of that tonight. What we're going to do is go over... How do you determine important numbers? Now, there's a lot of different ways to determine important numbers, but I'm going to show you one specific to what's happening right now in the market. We're going to prove the point the number is important. We're going to look at a couple of stocks tonight, and mainly because there's lessons to be learned. Things that we discuss all the time, we're going to find in some different stock charts We're going to see what happened and the reason why that area was important and the reason why a certain thing did happen. We'll look at a couple of different charts. One was from Stocks on the Move and the other is just a random chart that I found. Let's get things kicked off and discuss the big picture, where we are. We'll talk about the daily chart and then we'll drill down from there. It's bullish. It's in an uptrend. We already know all that. I'm not going to reiterate the whole thing. Above all the moving averages, there's nothing technically wrong with the market. We're extended. We all know about that at any point in time. And part of this is as a result of the very, very light volume, quiet markets that we've had. It's basically lulling everybody into a false sense of security. That being the case, there can certainly be a vacuum in either direction. A piece of bad news can spark a vacuum on the downside, and a piece of good news can spark a vacuum on the upside, a la panic buying, short covering, all that stuff that we continuously discuss. Let's talk briefly about the southern side, the vacuum or potential vacuum on the downside. We could have had one of those today. Let's go down to an intraday chart and talk further about that. Here's an intraday 15-minute chart. Everything to the right of the vertical line represents today's trading activity. As we can see, and we already know, we had a gap down at the open, but the market was immediately rescued, and you see the result for the remainder of the day. It's not unique. It's not a total surprise. We've seen this many, many times before. In fact, we've seen this many, many times recently. However, there's a takeaway here. There's something to be learned. In my book, the market should have went down farther today. It should have went down at least to around the 307 area, give or take. Why do I say that? Let's go to a different chart and talk it through. Here's an hourly chart, and there's the 307. It's at 307.06. It's just a random number around 307. Here's the reason why I suspected they were going to go at least test the low of the range, and that's the ultimate reason. We're in a trading range. It's a channel. It's whatever you want to call it. So it's the low side there, the high side up here. We went to the high side. We're now going down to the low side, and all of a sudden, the market gets rescued. They come up short, and we're back toward the high end of the range. Now, on the surface, it's not a big deal. 
But if you're me, you peel back the onion, you look a little deeper, and there's a method to the madness. There's meaning behind movements in the market. I'm not necessarily in the random camp if you haven't figured that out already. So here we have the big picture. The market's bullish. It has a proverbial bid underneath the market. The Fed is flooding money into the market. Bad news really isn't taken at bad news. Evidence today. We had some nonsense come out of China about trade, about what they may or may not purchase. The market went down a little bit, immediately rescued. We don't care anymore about the China news, not like we used to. A big piece of news, different. Positive piece of news can certainly send the market higher. The negative news, it's the boy that cried wolf already. We have China fatigue. But here's the point. So the market tries to go down to the bottom portion of the range, somewhere in that 307 vicinity, doesn't get there, rescued, turns around and goes back the other way. That's not bearish, that's bullish behavior. Okay, so we already know the market's bullish. Why is that necessarily important? Because I've been harping on something else. The market is setting up for a bigger move. I've been saying it for a couple of days now, I'm beginning to look like a horse's ass. But it's still my contention the market is setting up for a bigger move. We've got divergences. The market is very, very quiet. I've read this book before. I've seen this before. We've seen this before together. We've talked about this whenever these things do occur. And more often than not, we get the big move. How do we figure out which direction the big move is going to come? Well, we take a look at the daily chart and we say, well, we're basically eating time off the clock, just going back and forth in this upper range, that's indicative of another move higher. Check. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. We also have to take the other side. We play umpire. We're high on the chart. We're far extended from home base. It's not out of the realm of possibility to come back toward home base. It could happen in one fell swoop. It can happen in a couple of days, but it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. It is Garden variety market behavior. One piece of news, vacuum to the downside, 20 or 30 or 40 S&P handles, it can happen in a flash. It's an awareness. We've got to be aware of it. The problem is you can't see it coming. The market is not indicating that's the case. Another case in point, a little bit of a short hop. We go down to a five-minute chart. I want to show you something that happened today. Most of us are aware of this. The market fell out of bed right here, had a big down move, got rescued, and went back up again. So basically, all it did is make a higher low, but it all happened very quickly, and here's the point. Nobody could see this coming. The next candle after this candle at 13.55, 1.55 in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, for those of us that prefer to be on regular time. But here's the point. You can't see that coming. Sure, after the fact, we could say, hey, went right into a breakdown candle high and went down. But nobody could see this magnitude of a move coming. And this is a five-minute chart. So nobody could see this coming. And that could happen on any time frame. And what's to say it can't happen on the daily chart? It can. Here's another short hop. Let's go over to a 240-minute chart. I mentioned before important numbers. How do we know certain numbers are important? 
Well, there's a variety of ways to determine numbers that are important versus ones that may or may not be important. But here on the 240-minute chart, I want to show you something, and I want to prove a point. It's not that I'm saying a number's important. It's the market that says this area, this zone, this number's important, or at least this number within 10 or 20 cents is important. Now, there's always a method to the madness. Let's focus on... 3091 in the S&P E-mini, 309.10 in the SPY. These are numbers that are on the board, 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, sometimes the night before. For example, 11.20 in the morning, we're focused on 309. It's rounding 10 cents one way or the other. It's not a big deal. We're focused on that price zone. There it is again, 309. That's the blue line. Now let's go look at something. So the market comes up, it spikes up, makes a high of 309.65, closes at 308.88, right below 309. Next day, opens up at 308.87. Next day's not a factor. The next day high, 308.87. Okay, next couple of days, not necessary. Here we go. We have a high up at 310, a low down at 308.55. Here we have... A closing price at 308.94. You see how we're so close to 309 all the time? Here's the opening price at 309.28. Here's the high today or yesterday at 309.42. And the closing price, 309.26. And here we close today, 309.07. We have an opening price at 309.26. Do we think the area around 309 or slightly above 309 is important? The answer is, yes, it is. So from an intraday perspective, whether I'm looking at a 15-minute chart, a 5-minute chart, an hourly chart, it doesn't make any difference. I know that the market is, at least at present, magnetic to 309, gets above it, it's more bullish than not, and stays below it, it's resistance. 309 or somewhere around 309, 309.10, 309.20, in that neighborhood if the market begins closing hourly up in that neighborhood, it turns bullish and it looks like they're going to run to higher prices, make new highs and keep going, have the panic buying scenario, the short covering scenario. That's my pivot. That's my bogey right now is above 309 in the SPY. Now, one might say, well, what about the big fat round number of 3,100 in the ES, which is really more like 310 in the SPY? Why isn't that the number? We've already been there. We seem to be centering around slightly below the fat number from 3,100. We seem to be centering around 309. To me, that has more importance. We did a spike of the fat round number, but we seem to be bantering back and forth around 309 more often than not. So that's my number. Above is bullish. And to me, above says we're going to see a vacuum to the upside. And if we can't stay above and they continuously get below, start closing below, considerably below, then the other side is likely coming. But in my contention is we're going to see a larger move sooner than later. That's my story in the SPY. I'm sticking to it until proven otherwise. Let's switch lanes and take a look at the campground over at IWM. What's going on over there? So here's an interesting one. 
And I'll take this opportunity to use the time conversation, which I could have had in the SPY, but we'll use it in the IWM. The reason that I reserve that conversation for the IWM, because it's not as clear in the SPY from a time perspective. It is clear in the IWM. So those traders that have taken the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, will understand that we're coming into a zone where we should be not surprised to see a turn coming in the IWM. Did we see a turn today? Should we have gotten down to the 20-period moving average? Would have been nice. Think about where that is. So the 20-period moving average seems to coincide somewhere around the bottom portion of the last breakup candle. There's also a gap down there that was filled, but nevertheless, that's an area that certainly a lot of buyers would have likely stepped into the market. They stepped in early today. However, my point here is time is more important than price, and we may have seen the IWM form some kind of a bottom today. It remains to be seen. We need to see follow-through, of course. Anything below today's low, and that's off the table. But we might as well look at the IWM from a variety of different perspectives. Let's look at some other charts. Let's look at some shorter-term charts and everything in between. Here's an interesting perspective on the 240-minute chart. So you have a channel that's forming here, similar to the one that we just discussed in the SPY. Now, what's interesting is we dropped below the channel yesterday or today and recovered back above, closing back inside the channel. 240-minute chart, each candle represents 240 minutes of activity. This candle ended 13.30 today, 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, real time. So the fact that we rallied back to close inside that channel, that's bullish behavior. They had an opportunity to fall. They had an opportunity to come down here to the low of the breakup candle, fill a gap. Didn't have to happen today, but certainly have or had that opportunity. They still do have that opportunity. But to me, closing back inside that channel is more bullish than it is otherwise. Let's play umpire looking at a 120-minute chart. Let's take the other side of the argument. On the 120-minute chart, I can certainly say that with the gap down, we have somewhat of a bearish-looking wedgish pattern here. We have a move down, and we're basically inside of that until and unless we can close above here on this 120-minute chart, so a 120-minute candle closing above this area, then this certainly can be susceptible to another move down. There's a gap down here. There's a 100-period moving average. If you're the umpire, you have to be aware of both sides of the tape. The hourly chart, same routine. We can make the bearish wedge-ish argument. We also have sandwiched in between, but we have the market below the 20 and 50-period moving average, above the 100. That's the sandwich part. But we're riding both. So the longer we ride both, the more both become insignificant. One thing we do know is that the longer we ride like this, so if we do this and form somewhat of a pennant formation, it's going to break up, it's going to break down. It's going to break one way or the other. That's in concert with there's a larger move coming, mark my words, which I did say inside the numbers today. I'm pretty confident we're going to see a larger move sooner than later. What's the flip side of that? Is this a pseudo doji candle? Is this indicative of a bottom, and are we trading higher? Well, think about it like this. Go back to the course. Think about the fact 
that time is more important than price, look at the chart and tell me whether time is more important than price. That's what the hourly chart said. You stack time up with the pseudo doji candle and you had something to trade against, you could have traded against that low. That's Monday morning quarterback. I didn't do that. I wish I did do that. In fact, let me circle back to divergences. I mentioned them before, but I really didn't cover it. So divergences in terms of the IWM, the transports, which we'll get to in a moment, the SPY, the financials. It was interesting today. Early in the morning, the SPY, the Dow and the Qs, everything, everything had the gap down. And when they started to recover, the transports and the IWM really weren't recovering. The financials were weak. Everything was weak across the board. All my favorite market leading indicators were weak across the board. And it looked like, and I hate to use that term looked, but it is At least that situation is indicative of lower prices. So we didn't get the lower prices. Those markets stayed down a pretty long time and then they finally did stage a rally. But I do have to say they got me a little bit this morning. I thought lower prices were in the cards. And as it turned out, I was wrong. The market is always right 110% of the time. Price is the absolute arbiter. Speaking of the transports... Here's another diverging situation. So we looked at the IWM. We looked at the SPY. Now we have the transports that are very close to its 20-period moving average or home base. Also, what? The low of this breakup candle. That low is 10,810 spot 90. The 20-period moving average is 10,813. Now we came close to it today. So if there's another down day tomorrow, for example... You wouldn't necessarily expect, it could, but you wouldn't necessarily expect the 20-period moving average to have the same type of impact that it would have had if it was hit today. We came close, didn't hit it. Tomorrow's a whole different ball of wax. If, in fact, they are going lower by chance, you do have the 20 and the low of the breakup candle, but you also have a gap down here. Somewhere in this neighborhood, you should find an assemblance of support. What if we have the trapdoor scenario? Again, just playing umpire, we have to be aware of both sides. We have to pre-plan for whatever might happen across the markets. What happens if the trapdoor scenario unfolds tomorrow? Just while we're on the chart, it's not necessarily something I'm anticipating. It's not something I'm expecting. But for example, and this is a good learning opportunity. For example, if we found the transports, let's just say within the next two to three, maybe even four days down in this neck of the woods, that's a stone-cold buy right there. 10,600, 10,550, anywhere in that neck of the woods, stone-cold buy. Not expecting it, just a teachable moment looking at the chart. Again, you're inside my head. It's a dangerous place to be, so you never know what you're going to get. You could get a short hop. I could throw one over your head. How about the cues? Anything going on in Silicon Valley? No. Down 11 cents. There's nothing to discuss. Just refer back to the last several days. It's just a carbon copy. Let's move it along. The XLF. The XLF was down a little bit today. In fact, it was down a lot more than it finished. But again, here we are high on the chart, away from home base, coming down a little bit, eating some time off the clock, possibly letting home base come up to price. There's nothing wrong with the XLF from the larger picture perspective. You have a gap down here. Home base will soon be at that gap. 
You have an area down here. There's a gap window. There's all kinds of stuff going on down here in the XLF. Even if the market did come down a little bit, that doesn't mean it's going to collapse. It may present another buying opportunity. Remember, the trend is your friend until the very end. That's a weekly chart of the S&P 500. That's an uptrend. There's nothing wrong with that market. We realize it can come down at any point in time, but we have to recognize what's going on in terms of the bigger picture. The trend is up. The SMH, anything different in the SMH? No, this is just eating time off the clock, putting in a bull flag pattern. So we have to recognize that this bull flag pattern and eventually markets do this a lot. They put in bull flag pattern after bull flag pattern after consolidation pattern after pullback pattern. Eventually, one of them fails. But what the market is telling us is it's setting up for another push higher. That's what it's telling us until it proves otherwise. That's the difference between being stubborn because you think the market should be doing one thing and accepting what the market is doing and understanding that if, in fact, it talks like a duck, walks like a duck. It's going to be a duck 80, 90% of the time. Sometimes it's not a duck. Most of the time it's a duck. Flipping over to gold real quick. So yesterday I informed inside the numbers members they were able to buy gold against yesterday's low. We had a nice little rally today. Is it a short term bottom? Is it a longer term bottom? We don't know yet. We'd like to see some more follow through. It's a good low thus far. I've taken some profit on the trade. That's the way I roll. As you know, I like to treat this as a business. Therefore, we know that nobody ever went broke taking a profit. Which brings up another thing. I discuss this from time to time. It's worth mentioning again. It popped in my mind. You're inside my mind. Here you go. When you have a target on a trade, let's just use a hypothetical example. Since we have gold up on the screen, let's just say the target on gold, we're picking a number and saying it's $14.99, right about the 50-period moving average. It's not a real target. It's a fake target. It's a hypothetical target. Here's a little chapter out of trade school. Let's just use a simple equation, and let's just say, even though it's a futures contract, let's say we're talking about a stock, and we'll use shares as the example. Let's say I bought 100 shares. This morning, when gold rallied, I took off about 33 shares. Sometimes I'll take off half the shares. Now I have what's called, at least what I call it, a risk-free trade. I'm not going to let the rest go against me. I'm not going to let it go negative. Worst case is, I'm going to stop out with either a small gain, break even, or a tiny loss on the second or remaining portion of the position. But here's the thing. By the time you get to target... Whatever position you started with, a professional trader will not have anywhere near his full position left at target. In this example, by the time we get to $14.99, I might only have 20 shares left, 10 shares left. Maybe I have half left, but likely a lot less than that. Now, there are variances to this. I teach this in the course. In fact, in both courses, I teach this, but I teach it with a twist as compared to what I just described. But every trader can choose to do it however they want. Each individual trader chooses what vehicle he or she uses. They choose when they take profit. They choose how much profit they take. They choose when to exit the trade. What I'm doing here is giving guidance. 
What you do is as you formulate your business, you adjust and you alter things to fit your style, what style you create for yourself, which is well within your comfort zone. Short hop, we have to cover the pot stocks. I'm going to get questions on the pot stocks. The charts look terrible. Canopy growth looks pretty bad. Look where we closed today. We closed below the low of the breakup candle. Would I want to be in this trade closing below the low of the breakup candle? No. I recognize they have earnings. Anything can happen. But technically speaking, how I run my department, how I run the rules, I don't want to be in this trade. It's in a downtrend. It's in a pretty strong downtrend. You had one rally, no follow through, it failed. I don't want this trade. That's the way I have to look at CGC. Tilray, it's another dog with different fleas. Downtrend, below all the moving averages, it just continues to go lower. Too many times, this stock looked like it was reversing only to fail without the follow-through. It's a disappointment. Kronos, different story? No, same story. It's a disappointment. They're out of favor. Nobody wants them, which is why I'm looking. There's going to be prices where these things do turn around. I'll give you one on Kronos right now. 660 670, 650, in that neighborhood, I'm interested in Kronos at this point. Moving along, this was one of the stocks that was off the inside the numbers stocks on the move list. It didn't hit the number, but there's a method to the madness. I want to make a point. So this stock made a low of $20.72. You can see here TSEM entry number one, $20.66. And when you turn it over to an hourly chart, You see what kind of heartbreaker it was. Look at that run from that number. We missed it by a few cents. I missed it by a few cents. Some of you got it. I understand front running. I know there are traders that jump into the trades ahead of the numbers. That's not the reason it moved like it did. It's not what I'm saying. But I know that there are traders that jump in ahead of time. I don't do that. But that's up to you. That's your prerogative. But here's the point. The numbers are important. Now, we missed by a few pennies today. That happens, but sometimes it hits, makes a low by a few pennies, and takes off to the upside. Look at that run, $4 run on a $20 stock. When does that happen? This one was a heartbreaker. But that's not why I wanted to show it to you. There's a lesson here, something we discuss every single day. Let me just clear the deck so you have an understanding of something from Stocks on the Move. The numbers that come out could be from anything I teach whatsoever, a combination of everything I teach. I use every chart, I use every tool, I use every trick I know. The point there is that every trade is different. When I look at these stocks in the morning, I'm looking at a variety of different charts, I'm looking at all the charts, I'm doing a lot of different calculations, I'm doing a lot of different measurements, I'm doing a lot of different stuff before the sun even comes up. But here was this one. We talk about this all the time. Let's go over it. Stocks like to do what? Come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas. Where have you heard that before? Now, this morning for me, I had to come up with a number. I came up with $20.66. I could have easily come up with $20.78. It could have been a different number, but it wasn't. It's not the point. The point is this. I was working on the area that the breakout occurred. What happened was the market basically consolidated. It ran up to this number. It sold off. 
It ran up again. It sold off. It ran up again and busted through after consolidating again. That's what I meant by consolidated before. And it busted through. And then what is it doing now? It came back. Well, it did it from yesterday. It came back to do what? To test the breakout area. It's pretty remarkable. It happens all the time. And here's the lesson. There's a lot of traders out there that take these trades and they make a lot of money and good on them, good on you. That's what I'm here for. That's the objective. However, there's also a lot of traders that are scared to take the trade. And I understand that. A, you need to take it with a small amount of shares. So the loss, if there is a loss, isn't a big deal. And that's how we manage risk. That's also how we learn. You can do it in a demo account, but the issue is you have to have a stake in the game. You have to understand what it feels like to learn. You have to understand what the losses feel like with real money, and you have to understand what the wins feel like with real money in order to learn properly. I'm not saying don't start in a demo account. You should, you can, you do. But the next phase after the demo account is trading with capital, your capital, but a small amount of capital. You don't go into a trade like this with 10,000 shares. Obviously, I'm over-exaggerating, but you get the point. But here's the real point. Traders are afraid because it looks like a falling knife. Here's the situation. We close at 23.03 yesterday. The opening price today is $20.97. That's a pretty good haircut on a $20 stock. To a lot of traders, it looks like it's just going to keep going down forever. It's very hard to buy it. You feel like you're buying a falling knife. You don't want to catch a falling knife. You don't want to get stabbed. But here's the story. Everything that's moving, stocks that are moving, whether they're moving up or they're moving down, are headed to a destination. Where have you heard that before? In this particular case, in this case, TSEM, Tower Semiconductor, was headed toward a destination, which was what? The former breakout area. Now, there are going to be times when a stock could certainly bust right through this, but that's the 20 or less than 20 in the 80-20 rule. The 80-20 rule says that the majority over or 80% of the time, it's not going to cut right through and the former breakout area will be support. Why is that? Because I'm not the only one looking at that. If in fact it is support, that means that buyers stepped in. Why did those buyers step in? Because it's a support area. Who were the buyers that stepped in? It's not you and me, really. It's the big money players buying a lot of shares. That's what moves the stock. That's what moves the market. Here's another one. Charles Schwab. 3536 is a number. I just put the line on the chart. I just want to prove a point. That's not really a specific number. But look what happens. So on the daily chart, you see this waterfall decline. The stock makes a new low. Looks like it's going to keep going forever. Who in their right mind wants to buy this? After all, couldn't even hold the former lows. What is it that made the stock stop short, reverse, and go in the other direction? This is why we look at a multitude of charts. Let me cut to the chase. Here's a monthly chart. What happened? The stock came down to test what? A former breakout area. A couple of times, but this is a monthly chart. These things are hard to turn sometimes. It takes time, but you can see where the support came in. Who was the support? The big money was the support. You want to just follow the big money. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck. It's a duck. It's the same routine. The stock rallies up, gets rejected, 
gives it another try, busts through, and does what? Comes back to double-check the breakout area. It happens over and over and over again. You can find it on five-minute charts. You can find it on monthly charts. All charts act and react the same way. And if you want to learn the rest of this stuff, come over and take the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. I'm going to pull the ripcord. I'm out of wind, but it is everything I wanted to and intended to discuss today. I appreciate you. I want to thank each and every one of you because without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.